welcome to week four, part one, I guess, of the Punt Return podcast. I'm Josh White, as always, joined by Nick Splitter, and we're trying things a little bit different this week. Uh, we found that we were probably uh, running way too long on our uh, on our week-by-week week preview and, and recaps and, and everything like that, so we're going to mix it up. We're going to talk week three and then preview um, arguably the game of the season in Thursday night football with uh, the 31st-ranked DVOA team, the New York Jets hosting the 32nd DVOA-ranked team in the Denver Broncos. So a real one for the analytics crowd. And the disgusting bowl. Yeah, exactly. Um, if people love ugly football games, um, if you like sort of the first half of Not Another Teen Movie or 10 Things I Hate About You, <laughs> this is pretty much it. This is before the, the makeover. Um, but that's where we're at. But um, speaking of DVOA, uh, Football Outsiders DVOA, uh, their ratings last season was at this point of the season, it was pretty clear-cut. We knew who the really good teams were. We knew who the really bad teams were, and there was a mess in the middle. And, you know, according to Aaron Schutz, the uh, the founder of Football Outsiders, this season has not been that sort of stratified so far. There are a couple of very bad teams, but the good teams are all grouped together. And uh, with, with Baltimore's massive loss, there's no really team that's dominated the league early going so far. And um, that's kind of where we're at, given week three. It's kind of a mishmash of of teams where it's hard to really tell who's properly elite yet, Nick. It is. It's really hard. I mean, you know, from the eye test, which are the good teams and which are the not good teams, but it is from, from an analytics perspective, it is really difficult to start differentiating, you know, between let's say from, from the third best team down to the 15th best team. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about a few of the different teams and some of the things that are happening that all that have happened throughout this season already. But um, there are some really interesting game trends that are going on, and and I think that is potentially impacting some of these, you know, statistical anomalies. I guess you'd call it in that mm. there aren't there aren't those big differentiators between, you know, the, those middle teams like like we're used to. Yeah, and you know, and you're looking at the teams at the top of most power rankings and ratings, and their flaws are very obvious. You you can see where their flaws are, and that's kind of a thing that we're kind of not accustomed to, but I think it's just the way that the season is so far, given the off season and, and what's happened um, in the lead up to the season. And um, I guess we probably should talk about the elephant in the room with the, with the Titans um, COVID scandal. If, you know, the Titans have been a, a pretty anonymous team for the last decade. Um, if they really want to put their name on the map, uh, canceling the NFL season would be a good way to go about it. But um, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see over the next sort of 24 to 48 hours, what's happening with those tests and, and, and how the NFL is going to react to the results of that test. And I guess they're kind of, you know, the magnifying glass is over the NFL on how they how they uh, react to this and, and what game plan they have in, in place for uh, their reaction. Um, I'm, mm. You know, they've talked about moving games back if they have to, but, um, you know, can they afford to push a season back a week or two? Or, you know, do you proceed without those teams? Um, it's a tough one, but if you kind of put your head in the sand and, and there is positive tests, you could kind of destroy the whole league in, in a couple of weeks with teams playing each other and, and, and it's spreading like wildfire. So it's a pretty tough spot the NFL finds itself in, but how they react is going to be pretty fascinating. It's It really is an interesting one. And I mean, I mean we're not health experts by any means, but look at look at some of the options that, that the league has and, and that the Titans have. I mean, so much is still up in the air because you don't know who the players are. You don't know if they're starters, if they're practice squad. You don't, I mean, they're not practice squad, but um, 
you don't know if they're bench players, if they're vital to team structure and, and all that sort of stuff. You don't know. We don't know who they are yet. Um, we don't know if they're false positives. It's, it's possible that there's going to be more positive tests coming out when, when they continue testing the rest of the squad over the, these couple of days. Um, so it, at the moment, it seems impossible they're going to play on Sunday night, Monday. Yep. Um, but if they don't play, then what happens then? It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, it's 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 really tough. Uh, and you know these, te- and if they do play, they haven't had any prep at all. If those tests come back negative, so how is that going to impact uh, the Titans and and how they line up and the Vikings as well? So mm. um, that'll affect lines and, and things. So those games are off the board. But uh, let's talk uh, previous talking points from week three. Uh, my first one is the Falcons. How how did they do this? Um, it blows my mind that they've done this again and again and again. Um, and it more blows my mind that it's the same Falcons team for the past four years. Great quarterback play, great offense, struggle in the red zone a little bit, but then their defense just doesn't seem to get better and better and better. And from a coaching and team building standpoint, how do you not fix things even remotely um, or at least try to fix things? It feels like they haven't um, in any way. It's... I mean, you'd hate to be a Falcons fan, wouldn't you? Because the, the, the flaws in this roster, in this squad, are so obvious. You talked about it before. You can see, when you look at power rankings, you can see what the flaws are for each of those teams. And, and everyone knows that the defensive side of the, the field is where Atlanta struggles. And they have for a long time. Uh, even when they were a Super Bowl team, defense was still, you know, they, they won games and they, and they, they pummeled teams on, on the strength of their offense. It's it's been like that for nearly a decade, and how they haven't how they haven't tried to improve this defense is just beyond. It. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, all right, my second takeaway is um, potentially Nick. Maybe you might uh, put your oven mitts on, <laughs> put your apron on because you're going to do some baking. Um, I think you should maybe put my uh, Josh Allen humble pie in the oven. Uh, I, I think it's and start cooking it. But uh, yeah, I'm not ready. Uh, like. I think it's yeah, pretty simple. Gonna... I think I think there's there's a very specific word that you need to say to Josh Allen. I think you need to say. I'm not going to say. Need to say Josh Allen, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I am warming to saying that. But the, <laughs> the oven needs the the look. The the pie needs to cook for a few weeks. But yeah, it's looking very very likely that uh, I'm going to be eating some humble pie. Um, but let let's not let a uh, part, a very generous pass interference. Um, get in the way of the fact that they gave up a 28-3 to lead. Yes, the Bills' defense has been bad, and, and Josh Allen is the reason they're 3-0. and um, But he also had three straight drives with a three-and-out, a fumble, and an interception, and he nearly lost his mind there in, um, in the last drive, complaining to refs and, and, and a bit of the carry-on, which we've seen the last few years where kind of the pressure cooker gets on, he loses his mind a little bit, but he, he calmed down and, and finished the drive, got a little bit lucky, but still finished the drive and made it count, and you've got to take advantage of those calls. And, uh, you know, good on him. And uh, my biggest thing with Josh Allen is, I don't, like, is the MVP talk. Like, I just find that yeah. crazy to me. Um, like, sure, he's been good and, like, he leads EPA and, and DVOA and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's only been three games. Um, and then when we see what Patrick Mahomes was able to put on display, like, it's just ridiculous. They're not even in the same league that, like, that Mahomes and Wilson are. It's just... Um, it's it seems nuts, but yeah, he, he's looking very much like the legit quarterback uh, from that draft class, unfortunately, uh, for well, me and a lot of my. I need to go back and start deleting tweets. No, I well, well, I mean, like he, he's always shown signs, right? He's got he's got an incredibly strong arm. 
when when he's got time to throw the ball, he's pretty accurate. And you know that he's dangerous on the ground. So he's always had the tools. It's just been, for him, it's been putting it all together and, and doing it consistently. And I, I still want to see them, I still want to see him do it against good teams consistently. You know, he's done it three weeks in a row. Yeah, and, and he does. that's my thing. And he does have these plays where he, like you, you said, he, he kind of loses the plot a little bit um, and they got a bit lucky. But that, I mean, that happens to the best quarterbacks too. You, you know, we, we see Mahomes and, and Russell Wilson throw picks occasionally. Like it, it happens. So I'm not, too, I'm not too concerned with Josh Allen's bad plays. It's just when they start taking over his game that, that we need to be concerned. And so far, you know, he's been really solid. I, but I agree, he shouldn't be in that. There's no way that Josh Allen should be in that MVP conversation with, with the likes of Russell Wilson and, and Pat Mahomes yep. currently. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get to that a little bit. But be- before I get to your major takeaways, I just want to mention, I don't know, it's not a sort of a, ja- a Josh Allen point specifically, but I think it's overall, like QBs overall. I think defences are dead or at least, Offenses are thriving so much, and I think quarterbacks are benefiting benefiting from um, a real. I don't know if it's the from the NFL a real um, approach or whether they've spoken to officials about calls and things. But it seems very offensive heavy this year in terms of uh, calls, in terms of DPI. There's some, been some shocking calls this season, and we've had fifty percent less holding penalties a game. Um, so I think QBs are getting more time. There's, there's no penalties to stall drives. I think things are very much in the quarterback's favour um, because they want to produce the most entertaining, high-quality product uh, this, this year, I think. And that's kind of, I don't know if I'm putting my tinfoil hat on, but it just seems like everything is benefiting all the quarterbacks uh, in the league at the moment. And maybe that's why we're seeing such crazy quarterbacking display. I think it helps a little bit when we're talking percentages and records and things like that. It all kind of adds up over, over a 17-game sample um, those I think little also, edges help. Yeah, you know, we, we spoke in, in preseason just before week one about how teams and coaches are going to have to approach this season with you know limited preseason, limited off season, where they don't have time to 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 go massively into into scheming defense. That they, they don't have the time or the resource to do it. Um, and instead, it looks like you know, for better or worse, they're, they're putting their resource and their, their time and effort into you know constructing. Um, offensive plays that can take advantage of weakened de- defenses. And, and, you know, it, it, so far it looks like that's, that's working. And, and like you said, I think the league probably in, in this 2020 season where there's so much up in the air um, would be pretty happy with teams prioritizing offense because that's what fans want to see. They want to see points put up. They want to see scores on the board and they want to see, you know, that their star players, the star quarterbacks, star receivers, you know, playing well and, and, and putting up stats, and, and that's what we're seeing right now. And one, I mean, one of my takeaways is is the way that quarterbacks and and offenses are now sharing the load. We've seen in, in previous years, teams, especially with a with a star quarterback, often have a star wide receiver or a star running back, and generally that's their go to guy. Um, you know, we talk about football outsiders all the time, and I was looking at the the top ten ranked. Um, wide receivers so far, and it's a small sample size, only three weeks in, but the, the top 10 ranked wide receivers at, at Football Outsiders, currently Alan Lazard, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Corey Davis, Tyler Boyd, Randall Cobb, and Juju. And really only one, maybe two of those are legitimate number one guys. The rest are, are kind of, you know, you said before we started recording, they're 1As or, or they're type 2 kind of, you know, beta receivers. Um, yeah. 
it's uh, I think offenses have have worked out the benefit of of sharing the load and and the squad receiver um, because you know we've got Calvin Ridley is is above Julio Jones we've got Will Fuller is now the, the quasi number one receiver at Houston but they're still they're still very much a, a squad offense Chris Godwin is is almost exactly the same kind of numbers as as Mike Evans you know DK Metcalf yep. Devonta Adams is is barely top twenty at the moment so. You know, there's a whole lot of these guys that are just putting up numbers because teams are prioritizing offense and you can't afford to just rely on one guy. Definitely. And I think a lot of that is coaching as well. I feel like a lot of these young coaches are flourishing with, uh, you know, we saw what Kyle Shanahan was able to do with Nick Mullins um, at quarterback. And I think Matt LaFleur is really flourishing as a head coach. I think he's made the leap, so to speak, as a head coach. And I think him and Aaron Rodgers are on the same page and because of that. I think you, you see someone like Alan Lazard being just wide open down the field, field despite not being the quickest or most athletically gifted, you know, wide receiver. So I think, you know, and then part of that is also, again, coming back to that the penalty. Like if you if your players, are, offensive linemen aren't getting called for holding, then why not hold? If it's going to help mm. the quarterback, allow for more time for routes to develop and get, get, you know, receivers open, then just do it. And I think that helps. But... Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I feel like it's uh it's it's yeah, the, the wide receiver aspect of this squad mentality, I think it's it's pretty good. What what was your what was your other takeaway from from week 3? <laughs> well, maybe a bit a bit controversial, but can Nick Foles, can my favorite quarterback of all time, can he Big turn good, around yeah. the Bears the Bears fortunes? We saw him saw what he did in the second half in, in week 3. You know, he had something like 100 swung his hammer. 190 yards and three touchdowns, uh, which is basically what Mitch Trubisky has done for the last three years as the quarterback yeah. in Chicago. Can Can Nick Foles? He's got a decent. He's got a decent. Um, you know, skill skill line. Yeah. You know, there, there's guys that can play football there. It's just a matter of making the quarterback take advantage of it. And Trubisky hasn't been able to do that. Can Nick Foles do it? Mm, I I think he can, and I've given the Bears. Uh, you know, with the quarterback change, they've gone from. Uh, my 22nd rated team, they're up to 17 now. Um, so, you know, they're, they're making the jump. And um, Which, and that, it doesn't sound like that's a big jump, but after three weeks, with only three weeks started, that is a fairly big jump. Yeah, I mean, I just did not rate Trubisky at all. And, and my, you know, my my model, or model, hardly a model, but my ratings, so, you know, in terms of offense, a big part of it is skewed towards quarterback and, you know, and, and coaching as well. But, uh I just think Foles just does so much more. And it was pretty obvious that the Bears were a very fraudulent sort of 2-0 and team with Trubisky. And mm. the fact that he got benched is evident of that. And they know that they're lucky to be 2-0. and But at the same time, now Nick Nick Foles is 1-0 and and the Bears are 3-0. And, and they don't have a particularly difficult schedule because they finished third or fourth in the, in the division last year. So, you know, so, suddenly things are looking up a little bit. And... You know they've they've got a chance here to sneak into the playoffs, and as we've seen with Nick Foles, anything's possible in the playoffs with Big Dick Nick. <laughs> That's it, and the, I mean the concern is that they refuse to to guarantee that Foles is going to start this week. Um, and I just I really hope that I swear they named, I swear they named him starter this morning. Did they? I didn't say I must have missed that if that happened this morning. Um, yeah, well, there's a whole lot going on with uh, with this COVID thing, but um, yeah, I think yeah, I saw all my athletic... maybe it might have been rap, rap sheet, maybe I'm not sure. All my athletic notifications were about uh, Tennessee COVID. and Minnesota. So <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. But like, surely they commit to him as the starter. But yeah, I mean, um, you have I, to surely. It's it's yeah. amazing that they didn't. 
for before week one. It's, it boggles my I don't mind understand how you have how you have Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky in the same room and you start Mitch Trubisky. I just don't understand the and, rationale. And why do you sign him? That. Why why do you sign him and, and have him at twenty million dollars a year and not play him? Yeah. Like what's yeah. the point of acquiring him? Yeah, just it just baffles my mind really. I uh yeah, I don't know where I saw the the Nick Foles thing. Maybe I'm I'm seeing things, but I swear I saw a tweet. But anyway, um, oh here we go. Bears quarterback Nick Foles will start Sunday versus Indy. Uh, there you go. Maggie announced, but I don't know if that's fully confirming that he's a starter, the starter, or just that he's starting this Sunday. But uh, mm. yeah, so that's where I'm at. But yeah, I, I, I mean, think they're, they're unfortunate. I just looked at their schedule and I'm like, oh, maybe it's not as easy as, as I thought. But uh, it is. Yeah, it is unfortunate knows. that you know he he comes in against this Colts defense that hit you know really hit a stride in week three. Um, because even if he even if he doesn't play well, then is it is it a true reflection on what he can do with the with the Bears offense? Probably yeah. not. So yeah. Uh, uh, any other takeaways from you? I've got a couple couple of others, but uh, we'll oh, let my, you. Uh... My, my big question is, yeah, tell me what's tell me what's happening to my Eagles, please. Give me an answer. Put me out of my misery. What's what's going on? Like I just think not, it does not I make sense. Think, you know, like uh, I don't know. This is a weird analogy, but like golfers like just sometimes like you could be the number one in the world for for so long and then like dj like he hit two back-to-back 80s at the memorial open and then two weeks later wins three tournaments in a row like you just <laughs> i don't know you just get in the yips like i feel like you just get out of rhythm you can't like and i feel like a lot of things are just going wrong for for, for and it's like just all escalating to like, like mm. a giant snowball like i feel like the offensive line is hurting so you know, the Philly, you know, receivers can't really – you've got big sort of bulky physical receivers that, um, you know, don't often get open straight away. You guys, you know, kind of thrive along uh, – you know, thrive from having protection and letting the play develop down the field with Carson's arm, and that's not happening. You've also got a lot of new receivers there with, you know, Jalen Rager and Deshaun coming back from injury and things like that. So I feel like without a preseason and things, maybe it's taking time to sink. And then, yeah, Carson's just missing open throws. I think maybe he just has the yips. I, I, it's it's kind of weird, but his numbers are putrid. Like, if he was a Disgusting. rookie quarterback, he probably would have been benched by now. Um, yeah, I think it's just an all things. But, like, would it surprise me if they just turn it on in the, in the next week or two and, and beat a team by 30? It wouldn't surprise me at all. But, yeah, that's, 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 what yeah. I, that's the best I can explain it, really, as a you know, non-Eagles fan. You know when it all changed? When it all changed, and and you can blame injury, and and we know that that that's an issue. You know that that's been an issue for years in Philadelphia. But you know when it all changed, when when the the fortunes switched for the Eagles, is when the Colts brought in Frank Reich. The Eagles' offense <laughs> the went from went from hero to zero, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if if Doug's still the guy. I don't know if, uh, if Doug's still the man. You also sold your entire soul for a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, so that kind of <laughs> feel like that's just how it happened. Yeah, I don't know how the Patriots keep winning them. Uh, Bill Belichick potentially is the devil, or made a deal with the devil, or scared the devil into a deal. I don't know. I think, I think um, he is the devil, but yeah, potentially that. Um, but yeah, it's just a hard one. Um, but I can help alleviate your pain by asking you which New York team do you think's worse right now? Oh, uh, the Jets is... or, or former NFC East, uh, uh, fellow NFC East team, the New York Giants? <laughs> it is a really tough question. 
Um, I, I honestly think I honestly think I'd rather be a Jets fan right now. At least you have a lot of picks coming up. You, you you've got a big haul for Jamal Adams. Joe Douglas seems like he's the right guy. Um, yeah, that is potentially it, and that's pretty much the only thing I can consider because the re- what's going on in the Giants is a disaster. I just yeah, I, no, I think you're right. I think that there is there is plenty of room for improvement at the Jets, and you just wonder yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, with with the Giants because there there yeah. just doesn't seem to be any hope. Well, you've you've hooked your wagon to a coach who I think's just not going to be good. Whereas at least Gase, you know, he's bad. Um, you've got a chance to uh, potentially change that with with wherever you end up in the drafting. If you can bring in Trevor Lawrence and Eric the Enemy next year, you're looking nice. Like that is where we're at. You just need your racist owner to you know <laughs> accept Eric the Enemy and and he is the best head coach candidate on the market by far. Um, I mean, he, so he yeah. should have—he should have been a head coach before a number of guys that are currently no, leading teams at the moment. It, so. it is shocking, you know. We know we know why, um, but yeah. you know, I tweeted that earlier today, and it does my head in. Um, that could be another rant, but I'm going to go with this uh, this rant here, and uh, this might uh, you know ruffle a few feathers. But can we please, please stop with this? Oh, Russell Wilson—he's never gotten an MVP vote narrative. Firstly, it's not the voters or Russ's fault that the Seahawks took nine fucking years to realize, oh, maybe we should utilize this quarterbacking android that we have a quarterback that can throw down the field with unbelievable precision. But, you know, up until 2017, including 2017 and half of 2018, they were perfectly happy winning games 12-9, 16-10, six all draws with the Arizona Cardinals. Like, that's, that's, you know, I know it's not Russell's fault, but, like, Come on, like you're not giving that guy an MVP vote then. Um, also, what's five or six MVP votes going to do for you? You either win the bloody award or you don't. Like what? Like no one remembers how many MVP votes you have. Like I, I, I just remembered today that Todd Gurley got eight votes in 2017. Like who cares? And yeah, and when you look back at the last few seasons, it's hard to make the case for Russell. Like you're not going to vote for him last season. Like, Lamar had that. Like, Lamar broke the quarterback rushing record. They they won 14 games. He was amazing. The year before, Patrick Mahomes was incredible. How how can you vote for Russ there? And then 2017, when you look, Tom Brady won MVP, was pretty wide open. Carson Wentz was was name was thrown up. Jared Goff's name was thrown up. Todd Gurley got eight votes, as I said. Um, You know, Russell Wilson had a chance then, but the Seahawks went nine and seven. Also, it's been three weeks. It's three weeks into a season and we've already got an MVP narrative and it's doing my head in. Uh, I don't know if you agree or disagree. Sure, Russ has been fantastic these three weeks, but there's a long, long way to go. Drew Brees has been an MVP front runner for like nine times in his career. He's never won the award. Yeah, look, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I think, you know, f- for so long through through Russ's career, he, while we know, we've known what he could do, we've known what he could be. But he's never been the man until two years ago. He hasn't been the man in Seattle because their their priority has been defense. You yeah. look at the twelfth man. You look at look at what and running the ball. Yeah, and and exactly right. And running the ball. And and you know the questions were: Is it going to be Chris Carson or Mike Davis or who? You know, it's it's not. Are we going to prioritize Russell Wilson? Um, and and it's only in the last kind of twelve to, to twenty four months that they've kind of gone. Hang on, we've got this. We've got this beast. This uh, quarterback android, as as you said, that that can make plays and can change games on, on you know on a dime, off his own two feet and, and off his own hands. So, 
you know, it's, it's really only been in the last... You know, last year he was phenomenal. Last season he was phenomenal. But he came up against Lamar Jackson, who had an equally phenomenal, if not better, season. And, and like you said, Pat Mahomes the year before. And it's just, uh, until you give a guy the, the chance to go and do what he's doing now, you can't complain when he doesn't when he doesn't get put. All right, let's get to uh, a listener question before we uh, talk about our results. And this is from uh, Chapano at Chapano on Twitter. Sup, man? Uh, are the Ravens front runners? They've shown, I guess, maybe why are the Ravens front runners? Probably uh, show no ability to overcome adversity in big games when challenged. In stark contrast to Kansas City and Mahomes. And look, yeah, I just think when you look at the rosters, top to bottom. The Ravens are a better team, but as Lamar Jackson said, the, the Chiefs are kind of their kryptonite at the moment. Um, and Andy Reid has just sort of outcoached John Harbaugh in these spots. They've, they've faced him twice and they've won twice. Um, I think Lamar's just got to get that playoff win and that monkey off his back and uh, and you know get get the win. But I still think um, they're deserved front runners. I think the Chiefs are in front of them now, but I think the Ravens deserve to be you know classified as front runners. Yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one. I think that the Ravens' downfall has been in, in those big games, probably a lack of confidence. I think you you look at you look at the Chiefs, and it doesn't matter what the score is, it doesn't matter what the situation is. With Pat Mahomes under centre and and the ball in Mahomes' hands, they always believe they can score. They always believe they can win. And I think that there's a, there's a bit of a lack of confidence in in Lamar Jackson to be able to do the same thing in big games yet, because he hasn't done it yet. Um, I, I don't think it'll take a lot. You know, we saw them in, in the playoffs last year. Yeah, they came up against a juggernaut that was in the middle of, of one of, you know, a, a historic run in terms of the Titans, what they were doing with Tannehill and, and Derrick Henry. And, and we know last year that the Ravens, you know, one issue was their their lack of, of rush defence and, and, you know, the Titans got a hold of them. This year, you know, Mahomes, I mean, no one can stop Mahomes. It doesn't matter how good you are defensively. No one can completely stop that Chiefs offense. And when they get a sniff, you know, it, it's just they're impossible to stop. So there's just a belief in Kansas City that they don't quite have in Baltimore yet. And But I think that'll come. They're, they've got so much talent. I think that'll come. And they really just need to win one of those big games for that to, for that to turn around. Hmm. And I think with Mahomes, having a ring under your belt and winning a title and the way that he did it, it means that you don't have to stress. Like, I know they always want to keep winning more, but to, like to have a championship, it's not this looming thing over you. And I feel like it, it kind of consumes some players. They get put on these pressures in all sports, you know, Clayton Kershaw and baseball. Uh, I think Ricky Fowler's kind of the guy now in golf that's never won a major. And um, it was Peyton Manning for a long time and, and LeBron as well. So I feel like, you know, Lamar might end up being that kind of next guy that hasn't quite got over the hump and Mahomes can just relax. Everything's just coming up Millhouse for the lad. He's getting married. He's expecting a child. It's just been a, a great 12 months for the guy. What a baseball and, team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's worth half a billion dollars, still underpaid. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty crazy, but you know, like it's just crazy that we're going to get to watch this guy for the next 15 years at the same time. And Lamar, him and Lamar just going at it. Um, oh, Lamar incredible. might want to get to the NFC at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe a division realignment is on the cards, but we'll see. Um, all right, results, results. I went two and one last week. Uh, your mighty Philadelphia Eagles let me down. I really thought that was the bounce back spot, but now I've firmly 
adjusted them in my ratings. They're tumbling further and further down each week, unfortunately. But 7-1-1 one, one on the season. Managed to get a long shot as well with uh, New Hopkins, 125-plus receiving yards, lobbing it at 360 there. So um, back to pretty much even there. So I think it takes you know, one or two winners there to get your long shots back up in, into the green or into the black, as, as people say. So um, still going pretty well on the show. Uh, winning week for you, though. Yeah, two and one. The, uh, the Jags let me down last week. They just could not put up points, and I don't know how they couldn't against that, that Miami defense. They just, they just couldn't get things working, especially in that second half. I thought we were fairly safe at, um, at halftime. I, th- I thought that, that there was plenty left in that, that tank, but Gardner Minshew just could not move the chains. Just, I don't, yeah, I don't know what happened because he's, you know, this season we've seen him just throwing pies. You know, he's just chucking, chucking the ball out. And it just didn't happen for him. Um, so that that sucked. But, you know, two and one on the week uh, for the best bets. I still went still went six and two for the, the week as a whole. So it wasn't a bad week. Just, uh, just, just, choosing, the, just choosing, <laughs> choosing the wrong ones for the best bets, that's all. Yeah, I'm in this uh, crazy tipping comp. It's kind of like Vegas super contest style. And uh, picking your five, picking five plays a week is excruciating on a Sunday night trying to lock in. Often I'll have three that I'm pretty much set on, and then I'll have five to choose on for my last two. And I always seem to stuff it up a little bit, and it just drives me mental. Um, it, I mean, but, the, the first the first three or four weeks of any season is difficult enough, but yep. this season, this season even more so than than normal. Yeah, exactly. And uh, speaking of this season, uh, the last thing we'll do on this show before we uh, return tomorrow or maybe Friday, we'll work it out. But. Uh, Let's talk uh, week four, and the first game of week four is, yeah, as we said at the top of the show, Thursday night football, Denver at New York Jets. The total is 40. Uh, The line we're going with for the show is minus one, but if you look around the grounds, you can get pretty much anything ranging from (laughs) Pickham to the Jets minus two and a half to Denver minus two and a half. It is all over the shop. Just Um, just speaks to how disgusting this game is that you can get – you can – you really can hedge your bets if you shop around. Yeah, um, but I'll say this. Uh, I, I, I thought the Jets plus three were, were value early on in the week um, at the pick and pr- at the dollar ninety price. Um, that evaporated pretty quickly when when Brett Ripian, Ripian, whatever, uh, was announced the starting quarterback. Who cares? Was this <laughs> announced yeah, I've the never heard of the bloke. He, he was played for Boise, was, I think. Yeah, Mountain West yeah. Division. Yeah. And uh, record holder. I think he holds, holds a few records. Yeah, every quarterback not, out of Boise um, breaks records. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that the bar yeah. is that high, to be honest. So, uh, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I was, you know, my numbers had this pretty much right. I think it's Denver minus one. But, you know, I wasn't exactly throwing myself, you know, into a, into a machine to take the Jets plus three. Uh, and by machine, I mean a, a TAB machine earlier on in the week. Um, but, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be doing that when I see value, especially when I, when you're taking a team that's not even come remotely close to covering a a spread this uh, this season. They're zero and three against the spread. They're losing of an average of 19 points, but I can't exactly get behind the Broncos either. They're missing five. Their five best players. They're on IR. They've lost another two guys this season-ending injuries. Uh, they'll be without a couple of others. They're traveling to the opposite side of the country um, on a short week and a change at quarterback. Um, and then on the same, you know, on the other side, rumours around that Gase will be fired. I don't know why the result of this game is so important, but if the Broncos win, Adam Gase is being fired. Um, but, yeah, like, after all that, 
not taking a side at all. I lean towards the under. The Bills and Niners, they look, they put up points on the Jets, but um, we've, we've seen what offenses they are. We've seen what Josh Allen's capable of. We've seen what Kyle Shanahan's capable of. I just don't think the Broncos are quite equipped to do the same. This kind of feels like a 17-14 game to me. So no play, but lean under 40. Yeah, this game screams unders, to be honest. I'm, I'm on the unders. I can't remember a, a less interesting, more irrelevant Thursday night football game in, in recent history. Um, yeah, the, the injury, the injuries in Denver is one thing, and the Jets just being completely irrelevant at the moment. Yeah, they, they were pummeled by a Niners offense that is decimated, and they're coming up against a, a Broncos offense that's just as, if not more, decimated. But I, you still can't take the Jets. I don't know how anyone can take the Jets at this point. Um, Denver don't really have an NFL-level pass offense right now, which is pretty lucky because the Jets, you know, they've, they've got a lot of weaknesses, this Jets team, but pass defense might be their weakest weakness that they've got. Their rush defense is still pretty good. I think I think Football Outsiders has them still number three in, uh, in rush defense DVOA. Um, and so... You kind of imagine they're going to they're going to focus on Melvin Gordon a lot, so I'm really high on a few player props in this game. I like the unders, as I said, I'll be on the unders, um, but a couple of player props: Melvin Gordon rushing yards under sixty three and a half. Um, only one running back has gone over this mark against the Jets so far this season. That was Raheem Mostert in week two before he got injured. And that was on the opening play of the game. Yeah, that was like when, an 80-yard run, right? An 80-yard touchdown on the, on the first play from scrimmage. And it's just, you know, he did nothing after that and then got injured. Um, and I think the, the highest rush yard total that they've conceded outside of that is 53 or 54. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I reckon. Is that just Melbourne because it's Gordon, so easy to pass on them? That maybe, rushing? maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But uh, the, and yeah, another one is uh, Noah Fant receiving yards over forty-four and a half. I think that's another. You know, they've they've got a, a big weakness in in their passing defense, and um, I think regardless of quarterback and and like I said, I've never seen Brett Ripien or Ripien play before. I've read up a little bit about him. He's he's undersized. He's not the biggest quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's got a good arm and he's accurate. And I imagine that, that someone who's a bit small but is accurate is going to rely on a tight end for some of those dink and dunk kind of passes, the short, you know, short yardage passes just to move the chains. And I think that he's going to rely on on your tight end, which and, and Noah Fant is pretty much their number one receiver at the moment. So um He's gone over 44 yards in every game so far this season, so I like that over. Um, and similar thing against the the, the Denver um, pass defense as well. I think Sam Darnold's just going to throw the ball. I think he's going to rely on Jamison Crowder. Um, Is he back playing him. in this game? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, that's pretty That's pretty big in. Um I believe so. Just because and the drop-off from him is just so dire. It's crazy. Well, Chris Hogan and, and Chris Herndon, I think still, for, for a lot of those dink and dunk kind of short yardage passes just to move the chains, I think Donald will do that. Um, and I think they have enough consistent small yardage plays in them to, to gain yards for, for Sam Donald. The 221-yard line is is okay. I don't mind that dollar ninety. So, yeah, Donald, Noah Fant, and Melvin Gordon, Player props okay. for me. So you go and player props. I like mm. it. It's probably the only way to make this game uh, interesting. Um, yeah, it's tough. I like if I'm looking at any player props, uh, maybe 
uh, one of the lesser-known receivers, Tim Patrick. Uh, he caught yeah. the apple of Ripien's eye. You can get a thirty over 31.5 yards for him um, in this game. So um, that's probably where I'll go. Go for an unsung hero a little bit. But um, it's quite funny that, you know, these two teams are ranked last and dead last, and they can't even do special teams right either. <laughs> 29th ranked special teams for the Jets, 32nd for Denver. So it's just... Just not dire anywhere, and if you're on the unders, relying on a field goal or, or good special teams play, you're not going to get it. So, um, yeah, that's just pray there's no kickoff return touchdowns or punt return touchdowns, and uh, the under forty might be uh, a strong play. But uh, none of these will crack into our best bets at all. No, nah, I can't imagine no, so. Definitely not. All right, so we'll be back uh, later on in the week uh, to talk uh, the rest of week four. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, the next the next episode, we'll just jump straight into to week four. So if you want to, to uh, re, you know, listen to our recaps, it'll be this episode pretty much every week. Uh, we have changed platforms. Nick, uh, just quickly fill in our listeners uh, what's going on there and where they can find us, and uh, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, so we've moved to, to a new platform with Sportscaster Media. Uh, we're on Captivate now. You shouldn't have to, to change too much. Um, you can still find us on, on all your standard major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, wherever you used to, just make sure that you subscribe and, uh, and make sure you get the alerts when we, when we publish new episodes. Yeah. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at punt return pod. You can follow me as well at JYNFL and you can follow Nick at Nick splitter. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram. And while you're there, check out uh, the new apps of the Dane Roy, uh, podcast as well. That's Sportcaster media are doing thoroughly, uh, recommend that one. Uh, we might have Dane on I reckon in a couple of weeks when this is all wrapped up, uh, just as a guest spot, I think could be pretty cool. But that wraps things up. And uh, yeah, we'll be back later in the week to uh, talk the rest of week four. Peace.